But there's another time that you may be holding on to arrows that may be a license, like I mentioned, but it could be a mindset. Maybe there's something you're holding on or you're holding on to some friendships or you're holding on to just something that's holding you back from pursuing what you could be and what you could go do. And so kind of as I've mentioned before, it's kind of where you're at, you don't have to stay there. But in order to move somewhere else, there may be an arrow you've got to shoot. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Corey Carlson, and Corey is an executive coach, speaker, podcast host, and author who is an entrepreneur, former executive, husband, and father of three. He is passionate about helping business leaders win at home and work, and that is the impact he has through all of his work. Check out Corey's books, Win at Home First and Rise and Go, which we will link to in the show notes, and be prepared to grow after listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you tune in weekly. And if you haven't already, go to Amazon and order my book, Tackle What's Next, and the link to that as well will be in the show notes. Thanks and enjoy. Corey, welcome to the podcast, brother. Eric, thank you very, very much for the opportunity. Looking forward to it. I've already enjoyed our conversation before we even hit record, so this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I knew it, and, and I want to honor a good friend of mine, Jeff Pater, who's also a friend of you, yours, for making this connection, and I could tell already, two like-minded individuals, we could we could fill people's uh, podcast uh, app here with, with an hour, two hours, whatever we want. We'll try and keep it short, concise, and impactful, but I do want to start off this way, and, and I just want to know a little bit about you. Explain to the listeners, explain to me, where are you originally from, and, and what kind of athlete were you, Corey? I was born in Denver, but I grew up in Kansas City, and and actually now I live in Cincinnati. Um, but I, as far as athlete, I loved playing anything with a ball. Uh, smaller guy, so there's no way I could have hung on a football field. I, I didn't really grow up until later in high school, unfortunately. But so soccer, soccer became my thing, and I loved it, and even played in the adult uh, men's leagues, which is always pretty nice. Fun. Nice. So being from Kansas City, now living in Cincinnati, who were you rooting for in the AFC Championship game this year between the Chiefs and Bengals? Uh, let's just say I was very excited when the AFC Championship game was over. Uh, right. it, was, it was a rough one to watch. I mean, because it'd be like, oh, crud, we threw an interception. Oh, yes, we just got an interception. I mean, I felt bipolar watching it because, you know, you couldn't cheer. And so once it was over, it's like, all right, let's go cheese for the Super Bowl. Um, same thing a couple of years prior. It's like, all right, Bengals, let's go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, it just, it, it's a, it would be ideal if they're AFC and NFC instead of both in the AFC. But hey, um, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I had something similar happen to me early in my career. And I, well, I got drafted by the Bills, played my entire career there. Well, I grew up a diehard Bengals fan in Cincinnati. And so early in my career, I found it, and, you know, I was friends with Marvin Lewis and a number of guys on the Bengals. And, so I wanted to root for them, but it, I felt like we were always both, quote, in the hunt. And so I had to start rooting for them, rooting against the Bengals. And uh, and then you just get used to it over the years. And, and your your allegiance because of fandom doesn't doesn't uh, contradict your business, your, your friendships, or whatever it may be. And so uh, I, I can definitely feel uh, what you were feeling in those moments watching that game. But let's dig in on your story and your journey. And so my understanding, having a successful business career, and then you shift from an executive role within a business to then being an executive coach, a speaker, podcast host, author. What led to that shift in your career journey? Yeah, I think as we dive into my story, the thing I'd want any listener to hear, you know, and if they don't get anything out of this podcast, except maybe just even this one thought is, you know, wherever you are at right now, you don't have to stay there. Mm. And that's one of my biggest through lines of my whole life. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but, uh, you know, as we unpack different parts, I mean, I've had marriage challenges. I, there's been those, I've had those seasons where I wasn't the intentional parent or I didn't love my job and lack purpose. And many of us can choose or can think, this is just who I am. I'll just be here the rest of my life. My marriage will always be mediocre. My, I'll never have a connection with my teenage daughter. Or maybe everyone else has cool jobs, but my job just kind of sucks. And that's just who I am. And, and that's a lie. That's head trash. And so um, 
if you're listening to this and as you know eric and i talk if there's one thing we say that can make a difference in your life like going on a date with your spouse or or putting together a vision statement or, or whatever it's going to be as, as we talk do it just grab one thing in our talk and, and move on uh, and then if it works try another thing that we talked about but i think that's the biggest part of my story eric is because I made some different changes as things affected me and, and had a positive impact on my life. I, I would make a change. And if I felt called into something new. And so for me, a civil engineer by degree, started my career in Kansas City, doing engineering, didn't like it, but got involved in sales of technical products. I mean, real sexy stuff like selling bridges and storm sewer. <laughs> <laughs> started in Kansas City, had success. They they said, you know, split the territory, do it again. Well, I was successful, able to do it again, which is cool. Got promoted, moved to Denver, and then managed a bunch of people in states. And I got promoted, moved to Cincinnati, which is where I still live. But when I got to Cincinnati, I was VP of $120 million division. And this is one of those kind of bumps in the road that I started to have. I was like, is this really what it's all about, where I'm just working all the time? I started to skip the gym. I started to skip my quiet times. And because it was all about performance at work, if you know, presentation, the executive team, if, if I do great, I'm the man. And if it didn't go well, uh, hey, I may, maybe I'll get canned. And so I just found myself getting my identity into work. And so I was in one of those positions where I can choose to stay here. Maybe it's just a corporate life, just a grind till I die. Or maybe I could find a different way to do something. And so I reached out to my boss who I loved and he just said, hey, you know, get an executive coach. I've always had one. I was like, man, I wish you would have told me this sooner. But I, in fact, got an executive coach and it changed my life. I know that sounds extreme, but one, it changed my life. I now do it for a living, but also just changed my life because I just saw things differently. It wasn't just about revenue. It wasn't just about you know trying to get that quarterly bonus. I mean, I just saw things differently. And so that was, that was cool. And so that began me shifting because I just became a better father, a better husband, a better leader. I then took one more corporate move. I had an opportunity to be president of sales for a national contractor. And I had 30 salespeople reporting to me throughout the country. And these were the tools I was using. I was talking to them about dating their spouse. I was talking to them about getting the gym, but I was also talking to them about blocking out time in their calendar to make sure they got their sales calls and or make sure they worked on their follow-up of the proposals, you know, whatever it may be. And when I saw they got better, I was like, all right, I want to do this. But that, there's a tension there, Eric, because I was like, I'm a corporate guy. And I had the best title I'd ever had, which was president of sales. How am I going to go to a bottom feeder coach? <laughs> I was making the most money I'd ever made. So how am I going to go to basically zero as a coach? And so I just had this tension, but it was like, man, I could stay here and just kind of be unhappy, or I can look to try to move into something that I feel maybe is better into my purpose, what I'm being called to. And so that kind of... Brings us to where we're at now, which is full-time coach, speaker, and author. How old were you when you first hired your executive coach? I was, um, I'm 46. I hired him 10 years ago. I was 36. Gotcha. Two yeah. things I wish I would, uh, I'd say three things I wish you didn't ask the question, but I'm going to say it. Three things I wish I would have done sooner before 36 is I wish I would have hired a coach. I wish I would have joined masterminds. And I wish I would have been more committed to my solitude and journaling and scripture. Those are all, you know, scripture and journaling for me. I, you know, I got, kind of got started late because I just didn't know the importance of it. So that's one piece. Um, but then the hiring a coach, hiring uh, or getting involved in masterminds is imposter syndrome. I didn't think I could, I belonged, you know, uh, I won't do an executive coach or mastermind until I've arrived here. Then I can sit in a room or I can look across the coach, but anything before I've arrived, I don't need one or I don't qualify. That's a lie. I mean, anybody listening can go get an executive coach and whatever price point yours is, go find the coach. <laughs> you know, if, you know, uh, if you're $50 a month or you're fit $5,000 a month, I mean, there's a coach out there for you. But uh, anyways, don't let imposter syndrome stop you from growing because coaches un help you unlock your potential. And I, I obviously I say that because I am one, but I also hire a coach, you know, before you and I hit record, I still have a coach, the same one I hired 10 years ago. And I still have different ones that I'll hire at different times depending on what I'm trying to grow in. Yeah. And it's often the coaches as I look back on my athletic career that impacted me most in my career journey in football and then 
when I was 31 years old, I believe it was either 31 or 32 is when I hired my executive coach for the first time. I've had him on the podcast, James McParlin. And for me, I've always been a learner. I, I want to pick people's brains. I'm curious by nature. I love reading books and learning from people's stories. Well, for me, I got to work with a guy one-on-one each week, whether it was an hour, an hour and a half, whatever our cadence was at that time. I got to learn from someone that was one step ahead of me in all of this. He had, and he's he's detailed this in books, but he had marriage struggles himself. He'd been through a divorce. Okay. So he could speak into me about my relationship with my kids, with my wife. He had been on the mountaintop success-wise financially. He could speak to me with some of the downfalls, the struggles that can come with that uh, different sports, but he had been a, a gifted athlete as well. And so he could speak into me in so many different areas and give me uh, we would often talk about not stepping on landmines that someone already stepped on. That's mm-hmm. that's stupidity. If you can learn from someone and learn from their mistakes, you don't have to make that mistake. You you learn from it and then you avoid all that. And so for me, having a coach and just exposing me, he lives on the opposite side of the country, he lives out in California. So I'm get, getting different viewpoints and not just my own from my own bubble here and whether it was Louisville or Buffalo, I'm getting outside of my bubble. I also agree with the mastermind uh, topic that you brought up as well. Surround yourself with the people that you want to be like and get in those rooms. And and look, I I have imposter syndrome as much as anybody. I spent my first 10 years out of college in the NFL. And so for me, okay, who am I to step into this speaking world? Who am I to be an author? You know, these guys have been doing it for so much longer. Who am I to coach an individual when I'm younger than some of these guys? And so there's been a lot of imposter syndrome, but surrounding yourself with those people that can encourage you, lift you up, learn from them again. And that, that'll be a, probably a constant theme of this. Learn from others and, and, and use their experience for you. And then the solitude time, uh, I've heard you say, uh, that in the shower is often when most people get the most answers because that's oftentimes for, for people out there, that's the only time that they get a moment of solitude because otherwise you're glued to your phone, you're in the car, you have your radio on, you have a podcast. And yes, that's great. But if you're not giving yourself time to digest in, in times of silence, you're not going to unpack things in your life. You're not going to bring out those naturally great creative ideas that you could potentially have those spiritual conversations with the creator or whatever you believe in, you're not going to have those if you don't spend that time in solitude. I appreciate you taking in that direction. You can tell when uh, one podcast host is talking to another because by the end of it, you'll probably be asking me questions. Uh, we'll be <laughs> I, piggybacking I, off right. each other, bring, bringing up what we want. But um, I, I loved all of that. Uh, I want to, uh, and so you, you mentioned that at times you had marital struggles. It's detailed in your book, uh, When at Home First. But there's a step of vulnerability to step out and write a book like when at home first, where one, you detail your story and then you got to put out a bunch of lessons that now you have to live up to. Now it's in writing. And, and I did the same in my book, tackle what's next, but what led you to want to write that book and what were your hopes for that book? Yeah, I never thought I'd be an author. I mean, it was not on my radar. I mean, Matter of fact, I got a C in high school English. I mean, I, I just didn't like I didn't like the writing. Math was my thing, and obviously went down the path of engineering. So, and then you know, civil engineer. Then it's, uh, I'm a civil engineer by degree and a sales guy by career. So it wasn't on my mind to write a book. And you know, as you mentioned, you know, alluding to the my marital struggles and went at home first. You know, for those that haven't read it, I mean, basically, I uh, unfortunately had an affair. And I came clean of it a few years later, but there was a moment when I came clean of it where I felt I heard an audible from God, whether it was, in, you know, was it really audible? I don't know. It was just so darn clear in my head. It felt audible. Uh, but basically it says you need to come clean of your, you know, he come clean of your affair. And so there's this whole negotiation between me and God, like, no, that's a stupid idea. Why would I come clean of my affair? I just got promoted and now live in, you know, Denver life's great. Why would I do any of that? And, and so this negotiation is going back and forth with God in this particular night. Well, all of a sudden I get this, you need to hand over your story for a greater story. Once again, felt audible as heck. Was it really audible? I don't know. And so that was a, that was a phrase, hand over your story for a greater story that I didn't know exactly what that meant, how that would play out. 
And a few years down the road, after I had, you know, had a coach, had a coach and done, um, you know, coaching the executives one-on-one that I worked with, I all of a sudden had this prompting again that, Hey, it's time to write, write a book, hand over your story for a greater story. And, and so Eric, the reason I decided to, to write that story is yes, I had the affair and I made that mistake. Thank, thank goodness. Thank the Lord that, uh, Holly forgave me. We are still together. We'll be celebrating 24 years this summer. So it's, it's been a cool story, but there are so many people that have made a mistake in their life and they allow it to define them. Mm. And even myself, like there were times that I, I mean, heck, Holly forgave me way before I forgave myself. And, and I was like, I can never be a good husband because I did that. You know, I talk about in the book, I almost filed bankruptcy because of some aggressive real estate moves that I made right before recession. Never do that. <laughs> and then don't time a bunch of purchases before a uh, recession. But uh, obviously I didn't know that was coming. But there were times where like, I'll never be a successful businessman because I almost filed bankruptcy. Like I would get all these lies and I think there's listeners that are hearing this, like they can relate to it. When I when we start an engagement with a client, usually we write down, hey, what are breakthroughs that are going on in your life right now? What are challenges? What are frustrations? And everybody will write down something that they're still holding on to from the past. Maybe it's a wound that they still have. Maybe, you know, somebody did something to them, said something to them, or they did not do it. And, and kind of as I mentioned in the beginning, I mean, you can choose to stay there in that place or you can release it. And, you know, you don't have to stay where you're at, no matter where, where that is. And so for me, I was like, man, I would need to get this book out there because I know that there are business leaders who are and really you know, in any sport or in anywhere in life. But for me, it was business leaders that are stuck because they're believing a lie that they can't change, that life can't get better. And so I was like, hey, I want to put this in a book that we give tools and resources and it can be that guide to say, hey, if I work on these things, I will be able to improve my life. The book went on versus into four parts. It's in you, then marriage, then parenting, and then work. And really, I think that's the flow of life. I mean, I think we got to concentrate on ourselves. We got to get things going well. Then it's work on our marriage. And then it's parenting. And then it's work. And a lot of times we get it all flip-flopped. And so that's why I put it in a, in a, in a book. And, you know, as a gift to your listeners, Eric, I, I'd love to give away a free book. You know, they just pay for shipping and handling. So, I mean, my website will do the show notes, but it's coreymcarlson.com forward slash free book. And pick the book you want, went home first, rise and go, pay shipping handling, you can have it. I mean, I, I want this out there, right? It's part of my mission, hand over the story for a greater story. So hopefully that could be a blessing to somebody. Take Corey up on that. It's the first book I read in 2023, posted it on my social media after I was completed with it. And honestly, very impactful for me. And so uh, take Corey up on that offer. And thank you very much for gifting uh, that book uh, through this podcast. And so Let's let's dig in on this for a second because many people come on the podcast and they've got a book that's going to teach you how to be your healthiest self. And we'll go through biohacks and whatnot. There's financial people. There's a lot of athletic people that are going to teach you, you know, advice I wish I would have known my rookie year in the NFL that often applies to business and everything else. Let's sit here for a second on the winning at home, because often that's the thing that we can neglect first. I've heard you said it. Uh, I've heard you say before that we can often give everyone else our best and then leave our family, our loved ones with the rest. And, and that's that's impactful. I've been there in my life before. So let's unpack this for a second. When you work, when you're working with clients one on one and they say, Hey, I'll, Corey, my, my home life is in shambles. Uh, yes, I'm been climbing the corporate li- ladder, but you know my marriage is failing. I don't have a relationship with my kids that I want. Where are you starting with them? What are some practical steps that listeners can take in this instance? A lot of times there's a disconnect with family. It's one, you're not around. I mean, of course there's a disconnect. I mean, why would you have a good relationship with your spouse if you guys don't go on dates or you're, you're, not, you're not around or when you are around, you're on your phone or you got a bourbon in your hand and you're watching TV 
or same thing with your, with your kids, you're not connecting. And so it just becomes this tension. So one of those action items is we, we kind of talked about is, is start to go on dates, you know, with your spouse, go grab ice cream with a kid or coffee. And so it kind of, you know, it, it starts there, but, but some of this, we got to work on ourselves first. And, and I will have clients that literally like, oh, my, you know, my wife's this and my, you know, my wife's that and, and have these frustrations towards them. And, and maybe they are not, obviously they don't, I mean, none of us have a perfect spouse and nor are we perfect spouses. But Eric, what I tend to have guys, most majority of my clients are all men, not all of them, but majority are, is I usually have them start with, you know, write down things that you still love about your spouse that you love about your teenager or maybe even a kid i have a client he's he's you know very successful he's in the manufacturing space he oversees 45 different plants one of his biggest concerns of all the things he's got going on in his life but it's affecting him is he could not connect with his eight-year-old daughter mm. like it was just it was just a mess they weren't seeing eye to eye. He only saw the negative and you know what we focus on, we find. And so I just said, Hey, I, this works in my life. I've done it when I'm frustrated with Holly or when I'm frustrated with my kids is write down the things that you, every morning that you love about them. Maybe it's their smile. Maybe it's, you know, the way that they say thanks or they clean their room or they're funny or, or I, I don't know what it is. Write it down. But what started to happen, Eric, is it shifted my client's view on his eight-year-old daughter, and she he actually started to have more grace for her. And it's incredible. I've seen this in my own life where if I am in a season where I think Holly's annoying or nagging on me or not supporting me, if I'm thinking that, I'm going to see those things. So I'll walk in the door and she could say 10 things. But if only one of them's negative, that's the one I'm going to hear. I'm going to be like, oh, I knew it. I knew she'd nag me. I knew she'd say this and that. But if I find myself being self-aware and saying, hey, man, I I see what's going on here. I'm kind of drifting a little bit. I'm going to just, why do I love Holly? I'm going to write these things down. How she, you know, loves and serves all of us, how she's an incredible CEO of the house. (laughs) And and I'll write all these things down. And then I've got this whole different posture that when I'm around her, if she says something negative, it brushes off. It's almost like I'm now Kevlar and it can, you know, bounce off. And so it's items like that. So if to win at home first, one, we've got to start paying attention to the good in our home, right? Focus on that gain and not that gap when we are at home. I mean, you know, so that, that's a big piece uh, of it. You know, I, I mean, I could, I could continue to go on of different ones of that, that are just helpful. Let's take a moment for one of our sponsors. The daily vitamins and supplements I've been using for optimization each and every day are those from BrainMD. Go to brainmd.com and use code ERIC15 at checkout for 15% off. Talk to me, and, and I love all that, and, and spending time, that was something um, that I was advised to do early on with my kids is spend individual time with them. I'm glad that I got that advice. I, I didn't necessarily see that, although I spent intentional time with each of my parents as a kid, it wasn't a daddy son date like i'll you know make it a big deal so they know that daddy's being intentional with them me and my wife strive for a weekly date night if not you know one every two week we're 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 spending time with each other i really like the writing things down and then that's what you'll focus on it's very similar to a gratitude practice in the morning if you start your day off writing down things you're grateful for, you're going to see more things you're grateful for because your mind is going to tell you to look for those things because it wants it to be very easy the next time you write down things you're grateful. It doesn't want to tax itself. And that's how a gratitude practice works. It can work the very same way for a gratitude practice about your wife. I read uh, Reggie Campbell's book, uh, Radical Marriage, and thought it was excellent. And if I could sum it down into one or two sentences, it would be, if you want an improved marriage, serve your wife, Mm -hmm. serve at all times. Uh, Where have you seen that work or where have you seen that at work in in your marriage? 
Yeah, so I remember we've all kind of heard maybe a quote like this at different times, but I remember asking a, a kind of an older person um, in our community and uh, telling tell about marriage and serving, you know, is it 50 50? It's like, no, it's 100 100. Yes. And that stuck with me because what when you when you serve, if like if I do this and she'll do that, like if it becomes this, you know, kind of, you know, push and pull, you know, kind of give take. It's just not healthy. It's not good. But what I found myself when with Holly is like, if I'm serving her and loving on her and, you know, picking up the kids or taking the kids or whatever it is, it's crazy how like she wants to serve me back. And so it, it ends up becoming this. It's so cool because if, if it's 50, 50, I do this and I hope she does this. And we, if we're doing this back and forth, it, it's almost like it hovers around at 50, 50, like it, it can't get more, but if it's this abundant mindset of, Hey, I'm just going to serve more. Well, it's crazy. They end up serving back. And so there is this overflow of serving each other. And, and I think also what ends up happening is when you're serving, you're in a position of humility. You're in the position of, hey, I don't run this house and I, I'm not the provider. I mean, those are all things that the devil could would possibly get in my head because my wife doesn't work outside the home. She's you know busy with the kids. And so there's times to be like, well, I'm the provider because I did this. You've got to do that. And no, man, that's a that's a slippery, slippery slope. And and so by serving um, her, it's it's just been great. But what's funny is that there's times that there's a story I tell that went home first. And I've got a lot of different stories that are like this, unfortunately, but where sometimes I can get so focused on my own needs. Like I, I remember we went to go clean the house and we went, you know, she made this whole list of things she wanted to get cleaned and we were going to tag team the house. And this is numerous years ago. And we met up and we were kind of running around the house doing our cleaning. We meet back up. And she's kind of like, where, you know, what have you been doing? And I was like, man, I've been busy. I cleaned all the ceiling fan blades and I vacuumed out some of the duct work. And she was not happy. Like, I thought she'd be ecstatic. <laughs> like, you're amazing. What an incredible husband I have that you cleaned all those things. But I didn't touch anything on her list. So sometimes if we, we got to be careful that we need to be serving their needs, like their wants. I mean, so, yes. you know, it's the five love language that we're all familiar yep, with. That's, um, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. It's just like, I, there's some times where we're doing things for our own good. And we think it's going to help them. So if you're in a season where you got to figure out how to serve your spouse better, ask. I mean, we, Holly and I, we too go on dates every other week. Um, because when we don't go on dates, we become roommates. Yep. We become roommates really fast. Um, I, I think everyone does, but uh, I definitely know it is in our in our world. So we go on dates and actually on Saturday night's date, we're still talking about the love languages. We, we brought it back up again. Um, and so I, I think just that, that self-awareness as a spouse could be helpful to say, hey, you know, what are the ways that you're, you, you could help become better as a spouse? Yeah, that's excellent stuff, Corey. All right. So I often talk about it on this podcast that the most successful people that I look up to are successful in all buckets of life. Generally, that involves some type of financial success, but that's not always what I'm referring to. I hear you talk about it as the five capitals. Explain to the listeners your five capitals and maybe just a, a touch of an explanation of when you're coaching your clients, how you're pushing them or what you're urging them in in each of those categories. Yeah. Well, um, five capitals is not mine. When I hired my executive coach, his name's Brandon Schaefer, and he created the five capitals. And, and there's other frameworks that are out there. Um, it, this one is the one I learned. Um, and I absolutely love it where, yeah, that's you know, one thing, Eric, I love about like having a coach or having someone because what can happen, a lot of us, we listen to all these podcasts, we read all these books, and one book says do the square. This other book says, do the circle, you know, and then you listen to this podcast is like, do this triangle, like, and we get locked. Like we get this paralysis by analysis as a leader. We like, how do I lead my team? Do I do the square or the circle? What was so cool about having a, a coach, my, you know, when I hired Brandon is like, Hey, they all work. We're doing the square. Okay, let's go. He's like, I'll, you know, hold you accountable and I'll encourage you on the square. Great. Awesome. Same thing. 
with the five capitals. He's like, hey, there's tons of frameworks out there, but this is the one we're going with. I was like, great. And so those are the five. So I learned the five capitals and that was the big perspective change. And the idea is if you get these five capitals in the right order, you in fact can live a life to the full. And so running through them real quick and that this is the right order, but culture and the world tells us to live them in a different order. But the first one's spiritual. And so for some listeners, that is going to be a, a faith piece. It's going to be God. For others, it's not. It's just, what's your purpose? You know, what's, what's your purpose? Kind of what's your why the, and, and seeing it that way. So how are you growing in your spiritual capital? And really on a scale from zero to 10, you know, where are you at? And there is no right or wrong answer. Let's just say, you know, if, if you say you're a six, what's one thing you can do to grow closer to a 10? Over this next week or two, is it journaling? Is it praying? Is it meditating? Is it uh, reading scripture? Is it defining your vision statement and your why? And there's all kinds of different ways to grow in spiritual capital, but what are you doing? But that's the first and foremost. Why? Because that's where we get wisdom and power. And we start to understand our purpose and who we are and how we've been uniquely and wonderfully made. The second is relational capital. Who are you doing life with? This isn't just the quantity of friends you have, but this is really the quality. Is there a depth? And not knowing the demographics of your audience, your listeners, but let's just say if the majority of them may be men, this is a real epidemic for men is loneliness is we don't have friends. Yep. And, and I can, and I, this is a personal story here. I mean, I, I can relate to this. I mean, it was probably about seven years ago, maybe yeah, seven years ago, I, when I was president of sales, I was traveling almost every week. And I was super employed during the week. Then I'd come home and I'd be super husband and super dad. And as I was talking to my coach one time, I was just like, I just feel empty. Like I'm just poor. And he's like, that's it. You're pouring out all the time to other people and no one's pouring into you. And as we talked a little more, he's basically like, you have no friends. That's your problem. <laughs> And the reality is I had some guys I could go grab a coffee or beer with, but I had nobody I was really doing life with. So at that moment, I, I made a change back to kind of this overall idea is, hey, wherever you're at, you do not have to stay there. And so for me, I made a list of a bunch of guys and I almost, I did like speed dating. <laughs> I went up and met with them. And if I, and if all it was, was sports and weather, then no. But if I met up with these other guys and it was sports and weather, but we also talked about their marriage. We also talked about you know, the, the pain points of work. I was like, yeah, this is cool. So I put together a group of guys and we, uh, meet every Thursday morning. Uh, actually we just met this morning and then once a year we go on an annual guys trip and that's an orbit that I'm so grateful I have. So that's relational capital. So who are you doing life with? That's friends, spouse. And so once again, zero to 10, where would you rank yourself? No, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. Just Give yourself a number. And then what's one thing you can do to grow in that in the next week? And maybe it's calling that buddy for a drink. Maybe it's going on a date with your spouse. Third one is physical capital. This, this is all about time and energy. How are you managing your time and energy? Does your schedule control you or do you can control your schedule? You know, this is a, 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 a real pain point right now because as now that COVID's over and the, the world's open back up, we're saying yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'll go to that meeting. Yes, I'll go to that event. Yes, I'll go to that happy hour. And we're going, we're, we're not even like, it's worse than like maybe what it was in 2019. <laughs> We've like overswang trying to make up for two lost years. And so it's like, yes, and we're going. And, and man, that's, that's, that's a bad place to be if we have no margin in our life. I uh, had a mentor say that the quantity of our no's will drive the quality of our yeses. And I love that. The quantity of our no's will drive the quality of our yeses. And, and I think mm, for the listeners is, what do you need to say no to? There's probably some things in your life that may, may have been great last year, or they may have been great in Q4, but they're not good this quarter. Maybe it's time to prune and say no to some things. So that's physical capital. Say, how can you have, increase your time, increase your energy so that you can live more in your purpose, so that you can love on more of those in your life? Fourth one's intellectual capital. This is all about insights and ideas. And, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books. But 
It's about implementing those things, right? Implementation plus implement, I'm sorry, information plus implementation leads to transformation. Yep. So if we truly want to transform as, as parents, as spouses, as leaders, then we've got to implement some of these ideas that we're hearing that are out there. And then the last one's financial, which is obviously about money. And so on, on the money piece, it's, yeah, we got to make money, but it's also what, what's our generosity look like? How are we stewarding what we have? How are we sharing with others? And then also, how are we leveraging it? And I don't just mean leveraging to go make more money. That, that's, that, that's for sure we got to do that. But are you leveraging it to, instead of just buying things, are you buying experiences? And so it's thinking through, hey, how do I go on overnight trips with my kids? How do I go on overnight trips with my spouse? And so the idea of those five capitals, I'll say them again, spiritual, relational, physical, intellectual, financial, that when I first learned that 10 years ago, it was like, oh my goodness, this is wild. And if you notice, financial is on the bottom because money doesn't bring happiness. You, you more than probably any of the listeners have seen that in your own life of all these friends from the NFL. Some made crazy good money, but they weren't happy. You know, and we you know other people in the business world, you see people, they make it to the top, they make it to the corner office, but yet it's like, what? Is this what it's all about? Yeah, I've, I've seen that time and time again through pro sports, through coaching of sports. I've seen that in buddies' lives. You know, you can have a certain amount of financial success. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. If you don't have a purpose, spiritual side of you that grounds you, that gives you direction, then you're going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. If you don't have friends, if you don't have hobbies, if you, it, it takes a lot to create a successful, fulfilled person that is also making an impact. That's That takes some intentionality. I appreciate you running through those. I've heard you do that before. As you're looking me in the eye, as we're on uh, this this call together to record this conversation, it hit me different. It, it took me back to coaching calls that I've had in the past. And honestly, I needed that. I needed that in early March of 2023. Even, even the short questions afterwards, I needed that. I hope the listeners did as well. For someone like yourself who lives in a very intentional way, do you have a morning routine that you like to stick to that set your day up for success? My most ideal day is uh, I'm at the gym at 515, working out. And you know, even what I put in my ears varies. Sometimes I'm listening to sermons. Other times I listen to worship music. Sometimes I'm not listening to anything. And and that's all kind of depending on kind of where I think I'm at. Um mentally and then i'll come home and then i do my quiet time and i do spend time in the word i do spend time journaling journaling has been a big impactful thing in my life and so those are like the, the two things and yes i miss them some days absolutely i i i too will stay up too late and i'll, I'll miss it or not sleep well or i start my quiet time and it's like i gotta get to that email I, I, I need to probably make that uh, LinkedIn post. I mean, I got a good idea. I, I, you know, I got to tell everyone about it. And then I'll, I'll shortchange my quiet time. So I'm just like everyone else listening. I mean, I'm not perfect in my morning routines, but I, those are my best days. I, and I know it because I'm starting off with my spiritual capital. A couple other things I've added in the last few years, and I talk about the end of the Rise and Go book. I put, uh, I'm not the first person to think of a manifesto that's been around for a while, but in 2020, I actually started compiling a manifesto for my own life, and it's worked. It's been cool. So, it, at the back of Rise and Go, like I said, if you want that book, be more than happy to to send it to you. Is an eight part Rise and Go manifesto, and in that, I've got I am statements. I've got uh, different affirmations that people have said. I've got some vision boards, some dreaming in there. I've got kind of this identity prayer that I feel is kind of uh, downloaded to me, if you will. And then I will read it different times. So I've got this document. It's a big document. Eric, it's 14 pages on Google, but I don't look at it every day. I look at it occasionally, a few times a week. And it's kind of like armoring up. Um, and then unfortunately, I, re I mean, uh, not, un not unfortunately, Fortunately, I've got it as a tool, but unfortunately, every once in a while, I got to look at it reactively because I just got kicked right. in the teeth and it's just like, you know, this sucks. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to make it as a speaker, or as a coach and life's over and, you know, it's, but I can look at it and I can basically kind of get in my strong foundation again of kind of who I am, how I've been wired and move forward. So 
uh, yeah, for me, quiet time is it's about that spiritual connection and it is about exercise. If you follow me at all on social media, you have seen me rave about my sauna from sauna space and I only promote products that I personally use myself. I'm excited to let you know that I now have an offer for the listeners. Sauna Space allows you to rejuvenate at a cellular level with a sauna that harnesses the power of the sun. Sauna Space combines cutting edge infrared technology with nature's ancient wisdom to help you find relief. What's that mean? You will get the many benefits of infrared light. You will detox your body through the pouring of sweat out of your body and you will be charged by the grounding mat your feet will be on. If you want that explained further, go to episode 94 of this podcast and the owner Brian Richards will explain them for himself. Everyone that has purchased one of these saunas has absolutely loved it. It is a vital part of my daily routine to optimize my body. Use the link in the show notes and use code What's Next 5 for 5% off your order and your loved one will never feel better. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I'm with you. It's not a perfect every day, but my days that start with some type of quiet time, for me, that's getting in the word as well. Some type of movement. Those are the days that start off the best and and I'm usually controlling things from there and not as reactive throughout the day. And like you, I have kids and oftentimes that has to start early, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. All right. I have a few uh, questions for you and we'll get you out of here. Uh, Do you have a favorite book? Uh, I know you have a couple, can't say the Bible, maybe a book that either started you on your personal development journey or maybe one you gift a lot. Besides tackle what's next. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. No, uh, actually, I don't mean to be cliche, but the first business book, I or not business, self-development book I read was How to Win Friends and Influence People. I read it in high school. Is in my yep. dad's, is in our basement. Is my dad's office and I read it um, back then. And then I um, actually, you know, reread it. So I mean, that's always, that's always a great book to have. And I've totally enjoyed that. A one book that's been impactful and I talk about a lot is a book called The Last Arrow by Erwin McManus, who's a a pastor, and I enjoy a lot of his books. And, but that has a special place in my heart for sure. The Last Arrow is this. I mean, it's a it's a biblical story, so it's based off. It's from you know Second Kings, but uh, this particular king is talking to uh, to Elijah and and Elijah says take out all your arrow you know shoot one arrow out the eastbound window then take all the other arrows and shoot them out well the king shoots the one arrow out the window as he was you know commanded but then he doesn't shoot all the arrows in the ground he saves one and Elijah's f- upset like hey you were supposed to shoot all of them and I didn't hear all of them hit the ground you know, basically there will be a punishment for this. And as I was reading that book and that exact story, it made me think, hey, what am I holding on to? Am I keeping a last arrow in my quiver just because what if God doesn't show up? What right. if I'm going to have to go do it on my own? And so as I was reading this book, and that's why I'm pretty passionate about it, and I'll you know, uh, tell people about it or gift it, is as I'm reading this story, it hits me. I have a last arrow in my quiver. So as I mentioned, I'm a civil engineering by degree and I have a professional, I had, it's part of the story. I had a professional engineering license and I was trying to, I'm, I'm pursuing coaching and the speaking. And this is just a few years ago that this happened, Eric. And so I'm, I'm you know, all in for coaching, speaking. And while I am doing that, I'm also trying to renew my license as a professional engineer. Right even though I'm not in the field and it hit me. It's like, that's my last arrow. I'm keeping that in there just in case God lets me down over here in the coaching speaking, even though I felt called to it and I feel like this is my purpose. And I feel like I've been you know, equipped to do it. I'm holding on just in case, um, you know, God lets me down. And that's when I was like, Oh my goodness. So I'm going to shoot my last arrow. So what I did is I allowed my professional engineering license to expire. And I, I said, I'm going all in and, and, and we'll see what happens. And so that, that was a few years ago where I let that expire. And so for me, that's a big book that means something to me. And I know as listeners hear that, oh, 
they're like, I don't know if I've got a last arrow in my quiver. I think I'm all good. And you may be for the season. But there's another time that you may be holding on to arrows that may be a license, like I mentioned, but it could be a mindset. Maybe there's something you're holding on or you're holding on to some friendships or you're holding on to just something that's holding you back from pursuing what you could be and what you could go do. And so kind of as I've mentioned before, it's kind of where you're at. You don't have to stay there. But in order to move somewhere else, there may be an arrow you've got to shoot. That's so good. I can't wait to dig in on that. I have a bunch of mutual friends with Erwin, but I've never met him yet. So I uh, really look forward to digging in on that one. I appreciate that recommendation. I'm a former offensive lineman, uh, big food guy. What's your favorite restaurant? Oh, man. Well, yeah, since you're you know nearby, I'm in Cincinnati, then you may, in fact, know uh, the, the answer is Soto which is yep, in downtown Cincinnati. I mean, I'll even, now that you asked the question and it's coming to mind, is that was also a dream I had. I always had a dream, um, not always, obviously, because I didn't know about Soto and I live in Cincinnati, but I would say really for the last, well, I guess probably call it eight years, that I, there, I wanted to rent a private room in Soto to take a group. Like, I don't know what that group was. Was it a family? Was it a mastermind? And so just this December, I lead a mastermind in Cincinnati of 10 different business owners and leaders. And I, in fact, uh, reserved a room and took the mastermind to there as a celebratory dinner. And it's my favorite restaurant, but it's, you know, it's just also that idea too of celebrate. I mean, for those yep. listeners listening, if you got some cool stuff going on in your family or in your uh, work, man, take time to celebrate. I think that's another thing that's missing so much with leaders is we don't celebrate. We expect excellence. We expect success. So when it comes, we don't do anything about it. And I think that's a, that's a miss for all of us. And so I'm trying to be better about cel you know, celebrating. And uh, anyways, th that ties into that whole Soto thing you mentioned. This episode has been brought to you by Jordan Yoakum at Tom James Company. Jordan is my clothing guy and I get everything from him from custom suits and dress clothes to casual wear. Let Jordan do the shopping for you to save you precious time that could be focused on your family, career, or hobbies. Jordan can work virtually with anyone in the world and if he cannot personally get your measurements himself, he will have someone come get them for him. If you have put on the quarantine 15 like many have and your clothes aren't fitting properly anymore, he can also make adjustments to the clothing you already have. There's a certain confidence that comes with having clothes that fit perfect and let Jordan give you that confidence. You can contact him by email at jordan.yokum at tomjames.com or visit his website louisvillecustomclothing.com. Contact info will be in the show notes. Yeah, I love that. And and that's something that I was not keen to during my NFL career. It was you get a second contract and I would say uh, I'm going to buy myself this watch as a as a as a celebratory deal to well it took me two and a half years to pull the trigger on that watch. And you know, it was you're always just looking for that next thing. It's never enough. And then I recently spoke at a it was a national sales conference that was in Louisville for a for a big company and they were celebrating. They had drinks in their hand as I'm pitching my book, tackle what's next. And I'm talking about my weight loss journey. And I said, okay, keep my first three points in line and, and how you're going to make this next year, your best one and how your next quarter is going to be your most successful yet. Keep that all in mind. But this company has so much to celebrate. You personally have so much to celebrate. Take these points, take these notes and revisit them tomorrow evening, the next day, because you guys have a lot of fun things lined up in Louisville and don't let my personal development talk take away from celebrating, digesting what you've accomplished because, and then I use that as an example to be vulnerable with them, that it took me a long time and I wore the watch that took me two and a half years to pull the trigger on. It took me breaking my other leg and sitting on the couch mm -hmm. to realize, hey, I never, I, I hadn't slowed down enough to be like, man, I didn't pull the trigger on that. And so that being said, for all those listening out there, don't be a, don't be afraid to celebrate things. No matter if, if, if they're small, celebrate the victories along the way. And one, it'll, it'll give you a gratifying experience. It'll reward you for the discipline and everything it took to get there. And two, it'll make you want to do it again. 
by rewarding yourself for having good habits, it, it reinforces those habits. And rewarding can look like a nice meal at Soto. It can also look like just having a acknowledging it in your household. It doesn't necessarily have to be a big deal, but I appreciate you bringing that up. All right, this is the last one for me. This is what's next with Eric Wood. What's next for Corey Carlson? What do you have coming down the line for you that you're excited about? I'm speaking tomorrow morning to a bunch of fathers at a uh, at Crossroads, our big church here in Cincinnati that I attend, and speaking of fathers, and I'm looking forward to that. So yep. that that part's really cool. And then even to, and today, I'm picking up my college daughter from the airport. Um, I, I can't wait to see her. It's I have three kids. My oldest is a freshman in college, and you know, as parents, we prepare for this moment where we are launching our kids off into the real world, and it's hard, but it's also fun. And, and so anyways, I'm picking her up at the airport and we'll hang out all weekend. And I'm looking forward to that and just, you know, kind of just seeing what's going on and hearing everything. So, uh, that's just in the next 24 hours. Those are two things I'm looking for. I got more to, to share, but we won't, um, we'll say that for another day. Well, Corey, I can't thank you enough for the generosity of giving me and the listeners your time and your, and your wisdom that you bestowed upon us, that you've passed along through all of your work. Everyone dig in to Corey. We'll put a link to his social media, to his website, to his books. Take him up on the offer for the books. I promise you it, it'll be uh, worth your time, uh, A, going to his website and, and applying for it and then reading it as well. Corey, Anything I can ever do for you, never hesitate to reach out. Can't wait to get connected further with you. You are an absolute rock star in this space, brother. Oh, man, thanks. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate you. Thanks for doing what you're doing to help your audience. And I can't believe I I was able to, to share some things with your audience. So thank you for the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thanks for tuning in to this episode presented as always by Punched Energy Chews. If you haven't already, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Share it on social media as well, and we will share it too. I would also love it if you could pre-order my book, Tackle What's Next. It's on Amazon and the link to do that is in the show notes. Let's keep making our what's next in life our best yet.